How's it going, guys? We're here with the 56th episode of Fear Frequency, and if you're a new listener, this is a weekly horror podcast where we talk about the latest vegetables that come up out of the earth and review a book or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne. And I'm George Frizzard. And if again, if you're a new listener, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a five-star review on iTunes. I gotta rewrite that, because it feels weird to say if you're a new listener twice, but the listeners don't know that. <laughs> And remember, you can always email us at fearfrequencypodcast at gmail.com and we'll read your message on the show. Do we got anything new this week? Uh, no, just um, we just had that one iTunes review last week and we haven't gotten any emails or reviews since then. What the frick, guys? <laughs> review our show. We'll read it. You know, when my YouTube channel really takes off, you'll be able to say that we read your name on our podcast. And I think yeah. that's that's like something that you'll appreciate, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. I doubt it. <laughs> but this week, we're coming at you live from North Dakota. We have some news on Godzilla 2, Jordan Peele's Us, a Toxic Avenger reboot, and more. In segment two, we were reviewing two movies this week, Leprechaun Returns and Puka. But before we get into that, I'm getting that alert. We got a Halloween alert this deep in the year. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dr. Loomis, he's coming in. Poor guy. He's here to die again. Man, he can't live more than a week, can he? Unfortunately, can't <laughs> let the poor guy rest. Nope. So, Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I guess Clark Collis, who's the guy who wrote five billion stories about Halloween that I used in all my videos, he called her up and asked her. <laughs> like, this, that has to be what happened. It's, like, he this, just got her on speed dial. He's like, hey, Jamie Lee. Yeah, yeah. So, like, the headline is... Um, Halloween star Jamie Lee Curtis has no idea whether she will return for the sequel. Uh, he called her up and she said, I would make an assumption that if David Gordon Green has a story to tell, that the people involved with the movie would encourage him to tell it. I haven't been told whether or not he has a story to tell and whether or not he would include Laurie Strode. Really, time will tell. I know David is a busy guy. And she said, I'd be happy to do it. This was an extraordinary experience. David was a fantastic director, writer, but obviously this is 2018, 40th anniversary, was Lori's story. And obviously there are now other people's stories that would need to get told. But Lori's story was told beautifully this year, and I would have no way of knowing how they would incorporate her in the future. Dude, I don't, like, I think, I did some thinking on this, right? And mm -hmm. if she knew she was coming back, she wouldn't be able to say if this guy, like, cold called her out of the blue... Like, she wouldn't say no or yes. She would say, I don't know, like she did now, right? Right. I mean, there's got to be so many non-disclosure agreements that she's signing <laughs> and a part yeah. of if she's coming back that there's no it, way she could definitively say yeah. yes or no if she's coming back or not. And she's, like, friends with this guy. Like, they go back and forth on Twitter, you know, and it really does seem like from the article that he just straight up, like, called her on her phone and was like, <laughs> hey, 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 Jamie Lee. On the record, are you coming back for a sequel? Like, And she was like, well, I can't give him a real scoop, so maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But you know what? I'm going to do a video on this tomorrow. <laughs> I already decided. Uh, I Like, there's no way they could do a sequel including Karen and or J uh, What's her name? I keep calling her Jamie because that's what she was originally called. Allison. You know, they can't do a sequel without with them and not include Lori. It's like, where did she go? Right. Uh, the way that the movie ends, 
they're all kind of together, so to exclude Laurie Stroh, the matriarch of the family, would seem strange. If they flung the series, like, ten years into the future, and the Strodes had left Haddonfield, then I guess it could work. But David Gordon Green has already said he has an idea. Remember he was talking about how he wants to bring back Cameron, her boyfriend, because he had, like ideas for a sequel with that character and that's why he left him alive and uh, Danny McBride also said he has ideas for a sequel so I don't I don't know I don't it's not lying if you're an actor I don't think it's not lying it's just like playing coy right And and even before the movie came out David Gordon Green and Danny McBride were saying that they wrote it as two movies and then like split it up so you'd assume that there are plans for the Mm -hmm. future and you know, they might even happen Halloween 2 style where they're the same night as the events of the first movie. It easily could. Like, right. That, that Personally, that's how I'd want it to be also. People are talking about how they'd want it to go to Haddonfield Memorial, and it's like, no, 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 no. We don't need to, like, just retread Halloween 2. <laughs> right. Like, you can take I, the idea that it's the same night, but this time keep the same creative team, which I think would help a lot, and the same person playing Michael Myers, which I think would help a lot. And, uh, you know, someone who actually wants to write it, write it. I think those would all help and that you don't need to make the same movie again. Right. This way you could build up the new mythos of these new characters we've been following and kind of push the story forward instead of another remake. Especially since Halloween 2, like, isn't nearly as good as the original as far as, like, being a film goes. I would really want this to be better than Halloween 2. Because I yeah, think I Halloween mean, 2018 was way better than Halloween 2. So I would want its sequel to also be better than Halloween 2. You know? I mean, just having more you know, fresh ideas and new ways to take the series. Because that's how the Halloween franchise got so boring. was because just kept retreading on like the same ideas over and over again. So to be able to kind of push it forward and try to see Michael in some new situations, I think would be the best course of action. Yeah, I just think it's funny that... like. When we started being friends, I was just like, hey, have you seen Halloween? And you were like, yeah, I love it. And then, like, years later, we just talked about it every week for a year straight, pretty much. (laughs) I think that's really weird. It's bizarre. It's It's weird that it's back. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy that it's definitely forward in the front of everybody's minds right now. So, the first news story you have on here is that Michael Dougherty says... The approach to Godzilla King of the Monsters was no holding back. He said, We have a lot of monsters. I think Gareth Edwards had a lot of fun playing cat and mouse, and I love the slow build he created, but we definitely take the gloves off for this film. No holding back. That's exactly what I wanted to fucking hear, because I really liked that movie, the Godzilla movie that came out a few years ago, but it really built up a lot what like the confrontation between Godzilla and the monster in that movie and then that was over in a minute so I yeah, like that, movie that has a lot of like it almost suffers from the episode one like problem where there's a lot of like trade like almost like people just sitting on a table talking about politics and yeah like and not a lot of monster fighting which is kind of what the movie should be all about Right. So they really, I guess the story moving, like moving this to a bigger discussion is like the trailer came out, the second trailer. And I didn't, I didn't think that was a very good trailer, but it did show off the monsters a lot more that will be fighting in this. They've got like Rodan and Mothra and Godzilla and Monster X had a brief cameo in it. So there's a lot of monsters. I just, 
the human plot, um, I don't, I don't know, dude. I don't, A, I don't think Millie Bobby Brown is that great of an actress. Just going <laughs> to throw that out there. Like, she's basically playing Eleven in this in the sense that she's telepathic and it seems like she's going to be able to use Godzilla as a Pokemon. I think we, we, we got that from the first trailer, remember? Yeah, there's a little bit of that definitely where she's I, like a very important piece of the puzzle and... But then also in this movie we get that scene where they're talking about like, well we need Godzilla because we need someone to protect us, and they're like, so what? Godzilla's our pet, and he's like, no, we're Godzilla's pet. Right, and that's the line that makes me think they're gonna use her dumb telepathy to fucking talk to Godzilla, and it's like, <laughs> just don't, just don't do that. Like, <laughs> I love that Vera Farmiga's in it, and I really like that Kyle Chandler's in it, and then the. That old British dude, I think, is Tom Hiddleston's character from Kong Skull Island because he'd have to be old now. Right. I like all that. Like, I'm fine with Monarch being in it. It's just like, like we don't need to talk to Godzilla. Like, his whole, th- <laughs> like, he should want to protect humans, you know, because he's Godzilla, and that's like, you know, he's the main, he's he's the main character. We don't need to tell him like, hey, we need your help, big guy. Right, and like I, you like, think he would just instinctually want to fight all the other monsters. And I've had two seasons of a TV show where she's playing this melodramatic telepath <laughs> who's, ooh, I'm different, and I'm a little teenage girl. Like, ugh, I'm just, I'm over that. <laughs> uh, we talked about this with Stranger Things. I was just like, I, I don't want that to be a focus in season three of that show, and it just seems cliche to have her play that kind of character right. once again. Like, come I, I on. Mean, and, and it's a really weird... Uh, like character to be stuck in you know what I mean like that shouldn't be like a commonly recurring archetype where you're typecast as like the telepath like the child telepath yeah. it doesn't seem like a character that would come around all that often yeah and it's just it's complicating a story that doesn't need to be complicated like Godzilla fights to protect people fucking King Ghidorah comes out of a lightning storm and wants to destroy the earth Okay, there's some motivation for Godzilla to kill him, right? He hates yeah. Ghidorah already. Mothra, generally, Godzilla's teammate. There you go. She wants to help out Godzilla. Monster X, generally speaking, Ghidorah's teammate. So that's two versus two. That's the whole movie. They don't, like, they have Monarch and they have to keep playing up Monarch because they're doing the Kong versus Godzilla movie. And yeah, that and that's shit. kind of their, like, connective tissue for the Godzilla cinematic universe. Yeah, but it doesn't need, like, I just, I don't know. It's weird because it's like this organization dedicated to finding these, like, titans or whatever they're called in the movie. But they're so big. Like, how did it take this long? You know? It's not I, I mean, like, I, I kind of get why they didn't have Kong because he right, was, like, Right, because he's on an invisible island. island. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, so. Rodan is a volcano, I guess. Right. Like, <laughs> he's a sleeping, like, what? How did you not see that this mountain was just dirty skin? <laughs> Who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> at least the the creature design does look pretty awesome from these trailers. It looks like we're gonna get some pretty epic scenes. Like, yeah, and the only reason see... I'm like I'm weary of a complicated story is because the the two movies in a row they the monster stuff is cool. So like you know Godzilla, the the, the human stuff was good largely i think is okay but there was way not enough monster stuff and then right. in kong skull island the human story doesn't make any goddamn sense <laughs> it's terrible and so now it's like oh maybe they'll find a middle ground but no they're just 
like being batshit crazy with this telepath who can speak to Godzilla and play Pokemon Go IRL. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's not the the story that they're going with. Hopefully it's just a lot of action since I think that was one of the big complaints with the original Godzilla movie. Was I've that. just I've seen enough of Millie Bobby Brown holding the side of her head and screaming. <laughs> in slow motion you know yeah that's definitely played out at this point but the actual trailer like the monsters they looked awesome that shot of uh i think it was Ghidorah's feet like about to grab that jet out of the air that was oh, sick. yeah <laughs> that shot of godzilla posting up with Ghidorah. you know he's like puts up his arms and he's like all right I'm, I'm gonna kick your ass that was pretty cool and then at the end of the trailer when godzilla like full-on sprints i was like damn yeah. i didn't know he was that fast he was like running <laughs> dude boy's got legs yeah so hopefully like they they are being very reserved about showing the monster off so that could go either way like do we take mike dougherty at face value and believe that there are a ton of monsters in this or do we say huh this is a franchise that's burned us twice or burned us already on the Godzilla front, uh, are we seeing most of what we're going to see from Godzilla in the trailer, like we did with the original Godzilla? You never know. But Mike Dougherty seems like a trustworthy dude who knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's definitely a smart director, and it seems like, I don't know, this might be like his first really big, huge budget movie where they're giving him like as much money as he wants to play with. Yeah. So that could kind of go either way, but I think from what we've seen in the trailers the money is going towards making the monsters look sweet so i'm definitely way more excited i'm way more excited to have him um directing than gareth evans or gareth edwards (laughs) yeah i agree uh and dowdy wrote the movie and he's proven that he's a he's good at writing human characters right like right so i don't know that's just how i'm feeling i'm really excited for this movie i think this is the movie that i'm pretty much most anticipating in 2019 except for star wars yeah, it's definitely going to be, hopefully have a huge opening weekend and have a big push around it, but I'm, I'm excited for it as well. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, so you should handle the next story because I don't really understand the context of it since it's about <laughs> Peter Jackson and I don't think Mortal Engines is a horror movie. <laughs> so uh, Peter Jackson, his four original movies are being restored in 4K. Oh. And so... Uh, in an interview, they were kind of asking him if he would ever take the reins back up and, and get back into horror, you know, after kind of going back and touching up some of his original horror movies. And he said, I'm very happy to be discussing again and the project comes along. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how disgusting his co-writer Fran Walsh and I could be in our older age compared to our younger years because we've learned a few things since then. Uh, we know a little bit more about the world than we did then, so maybe our levels of disgusting could go to whole new places. So, um, like, you know, way back in 1996, he did The Frighteners, and then uh, he's really only done, like, Bad Taste and Dead Alive, and people really do like those movies because of, like, the pure gross-out factor, and he kind of (laughs) (laughs) graduated to doing huge epics like the Lord of the Ring trilogy, so uh, maybe now that he has a huge name behind him, it'd be cool to see him come back to this and give us a real cheesy B-movie with a lot of of gore. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool if he did the American Werewolf in London remake, wouldn't it? Yeah, I could see him definitely taking a lot of time to make sure that the effects were good, and obviously he can handle, uh, like a story and pacing and direction and all that, so I think he'd be a, a good choice for it. And yeah. that seems like a high-profile enough project to where he would say, yeah, I'd jump on that. Yeah, 
I'd do it. <laughs> I mean, I'd watch it. That'd be cool. Yeah, because, I mean, he is a big-time director now, you know? Like, he's... Peter Jackson is, like, a real household name at this point. So yeah, it'd just be he turned cool to a see. short book into three movies. <laughs> yeah. It'd be cool to see kind of uh, what he could do today with that kind of pedigree, him getting huge money from whatever studio would fund any kind of horror movie on his front. Just kind of see what he would what he would do with today's toys. I feel like Warner Brothers would pony up in two seconds for him for to sure. direct a horror movie. And they're not movie. afraid to spend huge money. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So, yeah, hopefully he does come back to horror. I know Mortal Engines is like a, it's like a series of books, so that'll probably be a franchise. I don't know how often they'd want to put out this movie. It's probably every two years, but maybe in the, in the middle he could direct a horror movie. That'd be kind of sweet. Yeah, those seem kind of like, I don't know, I haven't read the source material, but I think those are kind of aiming to be like a YA uh-huh. like adaptation series. But they're, they're so. pushing it hard as like the new epic franchise from the creator of the Lord of the Rings films. Yeah, definitely. Like every um, ad pushes that that I've seen. They're like, remember the Lord of the Rings? <laughs> this guy, he's back. They're he's definitely making throwing his name around quite a bit because I've... I've, that's how I've seen it advertised too, and so I I don't know if like he's gonna try to make this his main focus until that kind of dries up or not. But um, maybe when these come out and he gets a little more, uh, you know, people start talking about him again, it'd be cool to see what other projects get pushed his way. Right, but I don't think he'll have any trouble. If he wanted to direct a horror no. movie, I feel like he could just decide tomorrow and he'd have like nine scripts on his plate. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it'd be really cool. Uh, if he was able to make his Freddy movie. Oh yeah, that would be sweet. I read that, or I read like a treatment or something that's floating around online of that. Like the story was really cool. Yeah, I I know we've talked about it a, a few times. Yeah, you told me about it. And I looked it up after. Yeah, it'd be that'd cool be sweet. If, that'd be. A, they should get that, that to happen. Why don't they yeah. make that happen? <laughs> Good idea, George. That would that'd be my ideal way for him to come back into it because Freddy even has that kind of gross out you know factor to it mm-hmm. where you can have the really gory crazy over the top kills since it's all you know very dreamlike and you can play with whatever you want so he he already had a script years ago why not just let him pick it back up and see what see what he can do with it right so next on here we've talked about this a couple times i know but legendary entertainment announced officially that they're remaking the toxic avenger uh so, Bloody Disgusting said the last they heard, Lloyd Kaufman was working on a fifth installment in the franchise, but they learned recently that Legendary is acquired the feature film rights for a remake of the original film. Um, why? Just, wh- like, why? <laughs> Th- that seems just, like, the stupidest idea of all time, honestly. Like, I, re- I like the Toxic Aven- Avenger fine, but the whole joke with that movie is that it's so offensive. And there's no way they'll be able- they'll do any of the jokes in that movie. Yeah, that's that was kind of the weird thing to me, because basically the joke behind Troma as a company and all of their movies is that they're very crude, over-the-top, offensive, raunchy. And so I don't know why a major movie company like legendary would pick this pick up anything from the trauma like umbrella and try to touch it because not only that but like every trauma movie kind of has that super low budget charm to it where like one of the reasons you like it and you watch it over and over again is because it's super cheesy and low budget and it feels like something that some friends did on a weekend or something so i don't know 
how a big movie studio touching it would do the movie any favors. Yeah, and I don't know. I just... Does that really a story that needs to be retold again? Like, it was funny. <laughs> I don't think it was good, necessarily. Like, a good story. There's really... What lesson does it teach you? It's like... It, the the hot girl who, like, falls in love with his monstrous, f- deformed body uh, only does so because she's blind. It's not even like she learns to love this horrific beast. <laughs> it's like... She's like, no, I just can't see you. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a really weird story, and I don't know why anybody would want to pick it up that wasn't trauma. Because <laughs> that's that's even kind of like one of their flagship franchises, you know what I mean? Like, Right. That's, it's the franchise everyone knows them for, except for like yeah. Tromeo and Juliet. Right. So, I guess. I don't know. It seems weird you'd give up like your flagship person to have a major movie company do a reboot unless you really have no ideas for it and you know they're just gonna you know try to make you some money off it but i don't really think this would even do well and it's just it's bringing lloyd kaufman back into the limelight which like i i like what he's done for the horror industry but if you've seen some of the stuff that guy tweets like he's fucking insane dude like (laughs) yeah they're just asking this is just inviting a poor reputation, honestly. Like, I can see it and now. You know, like, the tea leaves are there. Just to read know, them. You as, know, as soon as, like, Lloyd Kaufman comes into the fold and he starts... Like, let's say, in some fantasy world, this movie kind of gets off the ground and people actually start <laughs> doing stuff with it. <laughs> That's then, the fantasy world. Yeah. Then Lloyd Kaufman <laughs> kind of gets in there and he says, well, I'm producing this one, too. And he starts talking and he's like, you know, I've only done my super independent movies. And then people look at his Twitter history and they shut him down in two seconds. Yeah, and, and it, he has to issue an apology, and it becomes a whole. And he wouldn't. He wouldn't issue an apology. He would create right. a whole thing out of it. Yeah, and then it would just be a huge controversy. Nothing would get done, and then all it would do is stir up drama for Lloyd Kaufman, which I don't think anybody really needs to, no, <laughs> needs to just, bother with. That's like if a plane was an inch above the ground landing, and then it like went back up and flew straight down in the ground. <laughs> I'm speaking in the fact that he's probably going to die within the next three years. Yeah, it's definitely not an ideal situation, and I don't know. I don't see the point in a big studio picking this up. Yeah, and also, uh, a short I edited and produced is in a new trauma movie that just came out. <laughs> it's called uh, Clownsploitation, if anyone wants to see it. Uh, you can watch it on their streaming service, which is only in a browser. It's called trauma net or something nice <laughs> yeah <The> trauma net <laughs> but i will say they saved our short for last and said it's the best one so well, that's pretty that's cool. cool at least yeah that was really exciting uh so next up on here you put in that the special features and cover art were revealed for the suspiria blu-ray the special features include making of suspiria featurette the secret language of dance featurette and the transformations of suspiria featurette that actually that's all stuff i would watch that's pretty cool yeah um arrives on digital january 15th and blu-ray the 29th uh digital same day as halloween's blu-ray I know um, a lot of our listeners didn't get a chance to see this movie in theaters because they yeah. just like, I, it feels like honestly they took a map of the United States and threw darts at it as to where they'd <laughs> open this movie. 
and definitely this was a hard one for people to get their hands on and the fact where like actually going and finding a theater near you that was playing it seemed kind of difficult right so uh, i mean at least it's coming to digital fairly quickly i mean it'll be out almost like a month from now almost a month of the day so at least now people have uh, access to it instead of <laughs> having to drive like two hours <laughs> to a movie theater yeah because so, it's really good it's like yeah. i think it's like one of my favorite things i've seen this whole year yeah for there were sure. a lot it's, of good horror movies this year this has been a, a really insane year for horror and i'm just happy that it's coming out so soon so that people can actually see it who didn't get a chance to in theaters and these special features actually sound cool. I mean, this, the secret language of dance would actually be probably pretty interesting since the choreography in that movie is very good. Fucking bananas. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know. They all seem like that movie is so like visually interesting that I think it'd be cool to see kind of the behind the scenes making of seeing kind yeah. of the, you know, people that were in it, what their perspective was on certain things or how things came together. Just... It seems cool, and it's my favorite movie of the year, so I'm definitely picking it up on the first day. Yeah, and then um, speaking of closing out the year, I was thinking for the next couple weeks, like next week's episode, we could do our favorite movies of 2018, and then the following episode, whether that happens, I'm assuming we'll take off the week of Christmas, judging by how things usually go, and then the week after, coming in in the new year, I think it'd be fun if we did an episode of our most anticipated of 2019 yeah i'd like that so i don't know i just thought of that um for, so um, our wait, week off on christmas we should do a fear frequency christmas card and post it in the discord yeah we should definitely do that maybe i could draw it <laughs> that'd be kind of cool yeah everyone will get a nice little card from us thanks for joining the discord if you have if you haven't it's a nice mix of Fear Frequency listeners and people who watch my YouTube channel. And everyone seems to get along, I will say, which is nice. Um, so next up here, you put on here that Jordan Peele's Us, the synopsis came out, and it suggests a home invasion film. Slash Film got their hands on very first plot synopsis details, and it says that a mother, who's played by Lupita Nyong'o, Um, and a father, played by Winston Duke, take their kids to their beach house expecting to unplug and unwind with friends, including Elizabeth Moss from the TV series Handmaiden's Tale. But as the night descends, their serenity turns into tension and chaos when some shocking visitors arrive uninvited. That's pretty cool. That sounds like, uh, what's that movie, Funny Games? Yeah, it seems like it's got a little bit of that to it. Um, And I left left off what uh, some of the other actors that are going to be in the movie are, but Tim Heidecker is actually going to be in this. Oh, movie. I saw that. That's so weird <laughs> that he's like, hey, that's like having Tyler Perry in um, Gone Girl. It's just like yeah. one of those like what? <laughs> that's really weird. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess he's trying to be, you know, break into more serious roles, and obviously, um, Jordan Peele is super hot right now. So he's got a lot going on. Yeah, so you'd obviously want to jump on any opportunity to be in any projects he's involved in. Yeah, and this doesn't seem like it's deeply strange or anything. It just seems no. like a cool home invasion movie, which honestly, I'm I'm ready for that. And that's kind of like he he made a standard horror movie that makes you ask a lot of questions last time. Like I don't think there was anything mind blowing about the concept behind Get Out. You know, it was kind of it no. was like original, but it was very like reserved. 
Yeah, but it had a lot of cool, like, interesting, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, the mind sequences and stuff, like, the mind expansion and the last act where it kind of goes, like, more gory is kind of a cool twist. Mm-hmm. So, And if you want people to see your movie, which uh, was the goal, that's the way to do it. You know, like, yeah. make people ask a lot of hard questions, but, you know, deliver it to them in a way that's easy f- for people to take in. Right. And um, it seems like... This has a pretty simple plot also, not too complicated, but that's kind of a good jumping off point because you can take it a lot of directions and, you know, like from here, (laughs) visitors who are uninvited arrive, you know, like what what does that mean? Where are they going from there? Yeah. What kind of issues are they going to cause? Is it going to be like funny games where they kind of play with them? Is it going to be like the strangers where they box them in and then just kind of kill them because they're at the beach house for whatever reason or is it going to be you know even deeper you know motivated racially motivated you you know there's a a million directions you could take it so this is definitely a an interesting uh, platform to build on right i agree um and next up on here we have brightburn's trailer dropped so this is the movie that james gunn was going to announce at comic con at the sony panel but of course all this stuff went down with guardians of the galaxy so it didn't happen um trailer's pretty cool it's basically if Superman was bad, I guess, is like the conceit of this movie. And the, you know, like the trailer was good, but I am not about to let myself get excited for it because <laughs> it's like one of those, it's like an onion. You know, like the top layer is nice and like, you know, clean and everything. You peel your way in and like things start to get a little fishy. A, Screen Gems and Sony. Not giving them the benefit of the doubt. They have not earned it. To be no, fair. they put out the two worst horror movies of the year this year. Yeah, and in all fairness, they did put out um, the Don't Breathe, and they put out another good, like good horror movie in between that. Were they behind they, the Evil Dead remake also? Yeah, and there was another recent horror movie last year they put out that was really good. But, you know, for every one of those, there's honestly seven or eight <laughs> terrible movies. Like, not even just mediocre, like... You know, like with Blumhouse, where you get, for every Halloween, you have to deal with the truth or dare, right? Yeah. And the truth or dare is not bad. It's just mediocre. You know, it's just like painfully teenage horror movie, you know? But like the stuff that screen... It's not like inherently offensive, but it's not great in any way. Right. And the stuff that Screen Gems puts out, for the most part, is fucking terrible. Like (laughs) Slender Man. Slender Man, the worst movie that came out this year. Like, I didn't think I could see a movie that was worse than The Stranger's Prey at Night uh, was, but this that one really, you know, proved me wrong. It was terrible. It was so bad. That was bad. for sure a mile worse than Stranger's Prey at Night. Yeah, so they also, but they, oh, the other movie I was thinking of, they put out Searching this year. So that was okay, like a really yeah, good movie. Yeah, that was actually a really good movie. I like that movie a lot. Made it on a $1 million budget, made $70, $70 million. So it's like, they put out one good movie. And for that, you have to deal with Keep Watching, Resident Evil The Final Chapter, Slender Man, The Possession of Hannah Grace, uh, a bunch of other garbage. Nothing good. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to... <laughs> that's my point. And if you look at who's making this movie, they want you to believe James Gunn is directly involved. He's just producing it. Then, And, like, to be fair, a producer is a very important role to a movie, but that just basically means he's on set making sure things go okay. And the people who wrote it are his two brothers, who have very light um, light scripts on their name. Like, they, they wrote Journey to the Center of the Earth 2 or something. And that's pretty much it. And then the director was, like, a miscellaneous on-set person on um, the Belko experiment. And he was one of the Ravagers in Guardians of the Galaxy 1. So, 
I don't know. Not, I'm, not a lot of experience on that team other than James Gunn, who is you know, not going to be directly behind the camera taking the reins the entire time. Right. I don't know. And, like, the concept is cool, but it's not, it's not like, it's not like he came up with it. You know, it's not, this has been done in Injustice. And Injustice had two video games and a long-running comic series. Like, the idea of, like, Superman, but bad, has been done in the comics and in video games multiple times. Like, that's not a novel concept, I don't think, personally. Right. I mean, it's, it's definitely kind of interesting because it is... You know, it's like a bad superhero origin story, which we don't really have a lot of right. in it's like traditional or media. Yeah, and like Chronicle sucked, but like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you're ruffling some feathers with that statement. I I really don't like that movie. I don't either. I watched it again. I thought it was and, like pretty bad. <laughs> uh, I mean, other than like the, you know, like they try to make the camera character and like that's kind of interesting. It makes for like a cool style and like some of the fights are okay, but I just think. Like, Tom the main character is so, so damn annoying. that like, Dane DeHaan? Yeah. And I don't know how you fix that. How you make a bad superhero someone that's interesting to watch. Right. The problem with Superman isn't that he's a good guy. The problem is that he's overpowered as fuck. <laughs> like... Yeah. <laughs> like... That doesn't, and so what? Like, this podunk town where this kid crash landed is going to stop him? No. He can murder everyone <laughs> in two seconds. I, I like the shot in the trailer when he uses his laser eyes to blow open that freezer door and then punches that lady's head into oblivion. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I'm not giving Sony and Scream Drums the benefit of the doubt. They haven't earned it. The writers, they, sorry, they're James Gunn's brothers. That doesn't, like, talent isn't genetic. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just not. And I'm, I'm sorry if you think it is, but it's fucking not. Like, James Gunn is very talented. Sean Gunn, pretty talented actor. But James Gunn's other two brothers or whatever, like, they haven't proven anything to me. A, and B, the director hasn't done anything. So, right. so like, I don't know. And like, That's just how I feel. <laughs> all we've seen in the trailer is basically, and from the concept is, it'll be a cool way to showcase superpowers that we haven't seen very often. So it's like a unique take on superpowers because we get to see them be used for evil instead of good. Yeah, but, the best part is it could be like the best super, uh, best <laughs> Superman movie ever. <laughs> yeah, it could be better than like a Superman Returns yeah. and all that shit. <laughs> so like, I, I could see those scenes being kind of cool and like fun to watch, but I just don't. I don't know. I need more details on the plot before I'm at all invested in it. Yeah, and it's crazy how, it's crazy how close it seems to Superman, like. So far, we've seen it he seems has like infringement, flight, super strength, laser vision. He, and he wears crash, a red cape. He's an alien who crash lands in yep. Kentucky or whatever. Yeah, the and fuck like Superman's a flyover from. state. Like, oh, okay. Seems <laughs> almost like the exact same origin. So it's. Uh, although I don't know if Superman has super fork biting powers. Well, that that's yet to be tested. Right. <laughs> super fork biting powers <laughs> I was reading that story and then I connected with my brain it like traveled through my ear and then when it hit my brain I was like oh that's hilarious <laughs> but I don't know I was having a conversation with a uh, friend of the show Luke Jaggers in the discord about this 
and he's like super positive on it. And I definitely, I think the argument that he was making is fair where it's a superhero movie. People really like Superman. People are waiting for a good Superman movie. Like I think people will turn out for it if it's good, but I don't think it's going to be like Venom where they could, if it's a piece of shit, no one's going to turn out for it. That's what I think personally. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's definitely a tough spot because it doesn't seem like it's really bringing a lot new to the table. It seems like it's just kind of a different spin on a Superman origin story, which we saw in Man of Steel and no one really liked, and we saw it in Superman Returns and no one really liked, and I don't know. I don't know if people are kind of burned out on that Superman-style story, and I mean, this does have at least a little twist to it, which might get people kind of interested, but um, I don't know. I don't... I'm still pretty burned by Hannah Grace, so I'm I don't want to give screen time. I'm burned by Hannah Grace credit. and Slenderman and Resident Evil: The Final Chapter, and uh, I guess Underworld: Blood Wars, and like <laughs> they've made so much garbage, dude. They made the Carrie remake, they made all of the Resident Evils actually. Straw Dogs, which is those like pretty, kind of, some of those are kind of fun. Some of the Resident kind, of fun. Are kind of fun. Would you call any of them good? Because I no. sure wouldn't. No, but they're like popcorn movies like i don't mind watching them but they're definitely not good movies i've talked about this before i'm fucking sick of people not uh, these studios putting like if they get james gunn attached a lot of people think james gunn directed the belko experiment he didn't he wrote it but people called it james gunn's the belko experiment because that's the biggest name like and i get that you have to market your movie based on who's working on it but give the people who are actually doing things credit say written by mark gun and whatever gun and say directed by david whatever on the poster it does, i'm sh- i'm sure every billboard will say from james gunn or like james yeah. gunn's brightburn and like, I mean, even, again even in brought- this trailer it says something like from the mind of the guardians of the galaxy or something like that yeah it's fucking not he didn't write <sighs> it he's producing it so and they brought him to the comic-con to announce it that probably wouldn't they probably could have still announced it if that wasn't the case and it's like yeah i get that he wants to be on stage with his brothers a and separately i'm not saying he shouldn't help out his brothers by attaching his name to it because if i like if my brother was making a movie for example and i had any clout like or even anywhere close as much as james gunn has fuck yeah i'd be like you know put my name on it just to get it out there right but But that doesn't necessarily mean it's a quality product is, is the bottom line right I'm not about to give it the benefit of the doubt, and it's it's kind of bizarre to me that uh, Screen Gems is the one making it. Like, you couldn't get anyone else to sign on for this. I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know. It's just they're not to be trusted, really. So there's a lot, a lot of you know, a lot of warning. There's a lot of red flags to keep track of. Yeah, for but sure. I'm gonna keep my eye on it because you know why not? It comes out next Memorial Day weekend. And Elizabeth Banks is in it. She's great. Yeah, I like her a lot. She was even good in the new Power Rangers movie. Oh, did you see that? Yeah. Fuck, how was it? It's not bad. It's okay. It's getting a sequel. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to go see that too. Oh, shit. Okay. I should maybe should watch that. Um, the last it news story... It might still be streaming on Amazon Prime. Okay, I'll watch note. it there. The last news story is positive. Joe Bob Briggs, he's doing four movies in a single franchise for Shudder's A Very Joe Bob Christmas. So it's definitely going to be Silent Night, Deadly Night, right? It has to be. I don't know what other Christmas horror franchise has four uh, parts to it. 
I don't either. I just thought about it really hard. <laughs> so, like, that's what it has to be, and especially because uh, <laughs> he says that these movies don't make a lick of sense. You're going to need artificial simulation, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. Right. So, like, they're definitely just going to be... I mean, if you look at even, like, Silent Deadly Night 2 with the garbage day scene... <laughs> garbage day? I mean, it's like, you know... In the first half of that there, movie... It's like a joke. I'm... If I remember right, the first half of Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 is just you rewatch the first movie with voiceover. Like, <laughs> the, the guy is in an interrogation room and he retells the first movie, but they make you watch, like, half of it because they didn't have enough movie to like fill the rest of yeah. second movie by showing half I'm, the first movie. I'm fairly certain that's what happened. <laughs> It's fucking insane. But with Joe Bob's commentary, I think uh, think that'll be fun. We're definitely going to watch that because I'll be back in Michigan. Yeah, for sure. It's just the question is like how much trivia and like extra. Like you think that the guy, the main killer is going to show up or call in? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but uh, he talked about Dead or Alive and made that interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, these movies at least are kind of cult hits in a way. So. There's got to be some kind of decent following behind it. I mean, the whole thing's just bizarre, dude. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like Joe Pop Briggs, a former porn star, and he's just <laughs> talking about mo- like, <laughs> like I love it. You, everyone knows yeah. that it's just weird. You got to just take the the weird with the normal, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just, and um, like how is to- this real? <laughs> I, it's a, it's gonna be bizarre, but it's gonna be super fun to watch. I feel. Yeah. I don't know. I said former <laughs> porn star. I don't know. Maybe she still does do porn. I don't... Like, I, I only started following her when... Darcy uh, the male girl? It, yeah, but her name's Diana Prince. She's a porn star. Someone and, actually tweeted at her recently uh, asking about getting more Joe Bob in 2019, and she confirmed that uh, the Joe Bob show next year is going to be a weekly series. Her career is nuts. She went from... <laughs> Being a porn star who was, like, known for portraying Wonder Woman to Joe Bob Briggs' male girl on a new, like, comeback show that was supposed to be a one-off, then again on Thanksgiving, then again on Christmas, then a 2019 recurring series. Like, that's that's a fucking move, dude. That's like, you know how Mia Khalifa keeps trying to start a career that isn't (laughs) porn and keeps failing miserably? That's like, this girl's over here fucking doing it. That's awesome. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you gotta... And she gets to hang out with Joe Bob, so she's got it made. Yeah, and she, like, ribs them and stuff. That's pretty funny. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, <laughs> they like, it's banter, weird. honestly. They they actually do, like, have fun conversations. And no one's... I just... No one's really wrote, this, wrote that fact up or talked about it. But, like, it's just weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's weird that something strange. like Shudder is, like, a streaming service that's, like... Yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? <laughs> right. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Like, throw, throw caution on the wind. <laughs> Joe Bob <laughs> wants, Joe Bob gets. Yeah, and since he's, like, their only notable original series, it's yeah. like the poster child of fucking <laughs> Shutter is Joe Bob <laughs> and a Wonder Woman porn lady. I mean, it's, it's working. Awesome. They're it's making huge awesome. money off of it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. <laughs> it's just like you think about it but then you say it you contextualize it and it's 10,000 fucking times better They're like yeah. how cool Shudder is dude like, <laughs> they're just cool yeah 
All right, you gotta respect well, their like balls to the wall attitude. Yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back with Leprechaun Returns and Puka. Alright, so we're back from our quick break. And this week we're talking about two movies, which is awesome. And the first one is Leprechaun Returns. So this this confused me even. Uh, we talked about this, I know a couple few weeks back, that Leprechaun Returns was everyone just thought it would air on sci-fi. And it had a release date on sci-fi of March 2019. But it came out this week on VOD, actually December 11th, so today. And I guess they just didn't market it at all. Because no one knows. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of weird... I, I mean, it's even kind of hard to find any like review of it or anybody who's seen the movie. Anybody. I think I have still have the only review on YouTube. Yeah, it's weird because... I'm looking now. You'd assume that if you wanted to bring back a franchise where Leprechaun had a decent clout. I mean, they show it on AMC Fear Fest, and I think they still do. Like, it's not Dude. some obscure series. So you think if you wanted to actually make a splash and bring it back in a significant way, you'd be more transparent about what it's coming out on, when, how you can watch it, what it's going to be. So this <laughs> type of release is deeply strange. It is. It really is. That's like a perfect usage of Deeply Strange. But yeah, I can confirm. I'm the only review on YouTube of this goddamn movie. It's insane. <laughs> that's never happened to me for a movie that's like this big. But anyways, it's it's uh, it's doing the Halloween thing where it's picking up 25 years later, ignoring all the sequels. It's directed by Stephen Kostansky, who you might know from directing co-directing The Void. It's written by Suzanne Keeley, Kylie, who I don't. She hasn't really done anything. And basically. It takes place in the original house from the first Leprechaun, and a girl named Taylor Spritler plays Lila um, Redding, who's Tori Redding's daughter, and Tori Redding is the character Jennifer Aniston played, and they also brought back Mark Holton, who played Ozzy in the first movie, and he kind of plays into how the Leprechaun gets resurrected. Um, I thought this movie was really bad, <laughs> to be totally honest with you. like I thought it was fucking really bad. <laughs> Yeah, um, I didn't like it very much either. Um, really, the only highlights were um, the practical effects were pretty good. Yeah, okay. Um, so that was something where I think we both thought hiring the, one of the directors of The Void really paid off. There's a lot of practical gore in this movie, and I, people were nervous. I think we talked about this too, but in the trailer, there's the CGI kill where the leprechaun shrinks and stuff. That's mm -hmm. really the only full-on CGI type stuff except for him flying on a drone that I noticed yeah. Yeah. in the whole movie. So that's pretty good. Like, there's a lot of kills, and most of them are practical. Yeah, and, and they do look pretty good. I mean, even in some of the earlier scenes with the leprechaun kind of coming to life, he's got this weird, like, almost xenomorph slime on him that looks, like, disgusting and, you know, visceral. And I, I think all those, like, you know, whatever makeup they used to actually make the leprechaun look like that it is good, and he looks Oh, yeah, people were like so upset that warwick davis isn't coming back to play him it's like dog the move the budget on this movie is a million dollars and i would really right. hope that warwick davis is getting paid more than a million dollars <laughs> based on his career 
honestly. A, and B, he says he doesn't really like doing horror movies anymore because he has kids now. And I, like, I think that's, I don't like that mindset, but I guess I respect it. And the I mean, new let guy, the guy do what he wants. Uh, if yeah, he doesn't want to be part of the movie, you shouldn't take that out on the actor that they were able to get. And this who movie fucks so much else up that, like, that would feel like kicking it while it's down, getting upset yeah. that he's not back. And yeah, like you just said, Lyndon Porco is his name. He did a great job. He yeah. really did. Like, honestly, he was a good replacement leprechaun. As like bad as these movies are, <laughs> he was like pretty good. Like, he was just as good at, at the role. I think I didn't really say you know if warwick davis was in here this movie would be a lot better (laughs) i think honestly this movie's script holds it back so much the writing is just amateur as fuck like the characters are all in college and a lot of their jokes because the whole premise which we haven't explained actually uh the after the first movie this house that they were moving into in north dakota where they fought the leprechaun uh tori redding basically moved back to wherever she came from and the house became derelict. So the university nearby bought it, and this group, this new sorority that her daughter is just able to join before even joining the college for some reason, they are making this house self sufficient. So it's gonna have solar panels, it's gonna have a well, it's gonna have a garden, all this stuff. They're making it green, get it? Because green, like a leprechaun. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, great, pandering try-hard bullshit. But they're inte- <laughs> they're like smart people, right? Like they're supposed to be intelligent college students, so like they right, know so how to smart enough to make house. A, a house that would, you know, you have a garden that would be self-sufficient with solar panels and all this. I mean, these are things where you'd have to be at least like an engineering student to actually do. Right, and they have intelligent conversations until one of them needs to die, and then they become <laughs> one of the stupidest people on planet Earth. It's like your your character's motivation should not. Sc- shift based on what needs to happen in the story that's just like so basic and that makes these flaws that like are just they're mind-blowing that like in a 2018 slasher movie these basic things are being screwed up and it you know what it's crazy i think like the worst part of the writing kind of i think you were kind of alluding to this is that basically (laughs) they it's like the entire movie is set up so that they can isolate one character and then do like a crazy kill scene and then isolate the next character and so on and so forth. Right. It's not like there's no really strong plot that weaves it all together or logical sense as to why they wouldn't stick together or figure it out or problem solve or do anything. They all just kind of wander into a place where they'll be alone so that the leprechaun can kill them and then they do it again. Yeah, and... The way the leprechaun comes back, very weird, deeply strange. So, <laughs> in the first leprechaun, Ozzy, one of the pieces of gold, I forget how this happens, but I remember it happening. He eats one of the pieces of the leprechaun's gold. So, the whole motivation I think for he the leprechaun. it's a piece of chocolate. Oh my God, dude. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So, Ozzy eats the piece of gold. It stays inside his belly. The, whole, the leprechaun's whole motivation is to get his gold back. And in this, water from the well where the dead leprechaun is, his DNA is in the water. And when it makes contact with Ozzy's face through some weird water explosion, the leprechaun is able to come back because his DNA came in contact with the gold, I guess. But, like, this is years later. If Ozzy did eat a gold coin, he would have passed it by now. Right. Right. That's that's one problem. 
and another it, it's a, like what it's just it's confusing and stupid and it, it definitely tries really hard to bring him back where they're just reaching at any straw they possibly can in order to both connect it to the original movie and somehow bring this character that's like dead is dead back to life um and it doesn't do well the writing is terrible yeah <laughs> pacing is terrible that's the biggest problem i think that the main actress is also really bad looks nothing like jennifer aniston not even close just not even in the same like gene pool to be totally like it's just not not even don't even try and they got someone to voice act as jennifer aniston in this she sounds yeah. fucking nothing like her so yeah I give this um, movie a 2.5. Yeah, I'd probably give it somewhere around there. I don't really recommend it. Um, I think, like, maybe when it's out a little bit, someone will put together, like, a YouTube compilation of all the kills. I think that's probably <laughs> the only thing that's worth watching in the right, movie. Right, right, because the kills are, gotta give credit where it's due, pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. That's, like, definitely the highlight of the movie, and it is nowhere near good enough to carry the whole thing because the writing is so bad. It's the kind of movie where if you make a review or a YouTube video about it, someone will come on and comment that because they're a true fan, they're going to watch it anyway, but they'll mm-hmm. capitalize the first letter of every word. <laughs> I'm not calling anyone out. I'm just saying that might happen if you make a YouTube video review of this movie. <laughs> yeah. So the true fans are out there, I guess. The true Leprechaun fans will watch it. And yeah. More power to them. So don't rent it. Just wait for it to air on sci-fi if you really want to see it. <laughs> Yeah, just, like, DVR it if you still have a TV with uh, sci-fi, and then just fast-forward through all the talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, just ignore the plot. <laughs> so, next up here... Got we time have a- to clean, like, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it really would be a lot of the movie, actually. You're right. That's stupid. God damn it. <laughs> Some girl gets killed by a sprinkler. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> So next up here, we have the Into the Dark episode, the third one. It's the Christmas episode. It's called Puka. Uh, it's directed by Nacho Vigalando. That's a fun name. Um, it's written by Gerald Olson. So this one uh, is like the Christmas episode, and it's kind of like a twist on A Christmas Carol, um, where a struggling actor, he moves to L.A., He's trying out for a bunch of roles. He ends up landing one as uh, a guy in a costume playing the to- the Christmas season's hottest new toy called Puka. It's basically like a Furby, I would say. And Yeah, it's like the next hottest children's toy where they're supposed to kind of keep it like a pet and it repeats what you say to it and that kind of idea. Yeah, and the synopsis says that after he puts on the costume, he develops two personalities, one for himself and one for Puka. I don't necessarily think that's what happens. I think like like he starts losing time. He has these violent visions and stuff and yeah, it's almost like more of a split personalities thing mm-hmm. where well, maybe that is two personalities. So I am agreeing with that. It, it but it's not really like that. It's more yeah. so like a jarring switch between like he doesn't understand what's reality and what isn't. Right. And it's really hard to talk about that without spoiling it, so we won't talk <laughs> about the plot. But I thought this was really good. I honestly thought this was the first Into the Dark episode. I watched Flesh and Blood uh, after this. This is the only one where I was like, yeah, that earned its 90-minute runtime easily. And it feels like a movie more than an episode of a TV show. I agree. I definitely think this is the most cinematic and the most 
has the most polish of any episode so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just a really interesting story. I mean, having the duality of Puka, which when I was looking up this movie, apparently a Puka is a mythical creature yeah. from some kind of... Uh, it's Celtic. It's like, yeah, Celtic. So, like, it can provide good or bad fortune. Right, and that's the idea behind the toy, basically, where the Puka toy can be nice or evil mm-hmm. randomly, and, like, you never know what the Puka's going to be. So... I don't know, that's like a cool dichotomy, and they play right. around with that really well. Like, the movie definitely keeps you guessing throughout the whole thing, and keeps you vested because you're so interested in, well, what's the next turn going to be, what's going to happen to this character, you know, w- with his relationship, with the Puka, you know, is he going to fully just embrace Puka all the time, is he going <clears> to <throat> remain, you know, try to get another acting job, or, you know, w- what's going on with these characters, and is life real, are they fake? And yeah. that kind of really propels the the story forward in an interesting way. Yeah, and the main the main character's name is Wilson. The guy who plays him, Nayasha Hatendi, dude killed it. He did an awesome job at like portraying a breakdown, like a mental break. Uh, his wife Melanie is played by Latarsha Rose, also did a really good job. He's got a kid named Johnny, made, played by Johnny Berryman, named Ty. Uh, the kid's not in it that much, but he was a really good actor. Like I thought he did a great job. Yeah, so um, definitely was able to portray like the different, you know, sad or uh, kind of frustrated, really well, shy. I mean, he was definitely a, a good kid actor, and um, I, I think he plays the the kind of nice side of uh, a little bit better than he does like the angry outbursts. Like those mm-hmm. seem a little more like forced or uh, not necessarily genuine. Right. But he definitely nails the like compassionate you know struggling actor who's just trying to get a leg up yeah and the the anger moments when he's in the puka suit are awesome like this one where it's like it's, it's the camera's on a dolly hor- sliding horizontally and it like passes through a doorway and he's just like punching a wall and yeah, like that one is awesome. slow motion i was like that's great uh, they made a gif of that that i really like. <laughs> it's just this one is it, it's a good mix of humor it's a good twist on a Christmas Carol. It doesn't really necessarily need to be shot on around Christmas, I don't think, but just because of the framework it's using, it makes sense that it's a Christmas movie because and, it, and in the plot it works because it's like yeah. a kids' toy for the holiday season. It takes place in L.A. though, so it doesn't it doesn't feel right. like Christmas really. Uh, I really like his boss, the guy who plays his boss uh, at the Puka pop up and everything. It's really good. Yeah, Finn. He's uh, he he plays it really well. He. Like, uh, in the early scenes when he's kind of offering him the puka job, he reminded me a lot. I got, like, some real Halloween 3 vibes. Of yeah, the, totally. The druid cult, cult leader where, you know, he takes him down to the basement where, like, all the lights are flickering and he has, like, all these toys. And you just think, like, he's got to have some more sinister plan going right. on. Like, there's no way that <laughs> everything is as wholesome as he's saying it is. And uh, and he, he plays that, like, kind of eccentric you don't know if he's good or bad or what his intentions are really well. It's John Daly, too. So it's like, if you know his kind of humor, it'll like, you'll be oh, yeah. Like you've seen the Kroll show and stuff. He's playing the same kind of person on uh, this movie that he is on the Kroll show, definitely. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I thought this was really good. And I really like that Blumhouse has been good about getting one big actor for each one of these shorts. The girl who plays Darla and Mr. Robot is the main character of the next one. So, yeah. And she, she's a really good actress. So I'm interested to see 
um, more of what this has to offer. Because, I, I mean, I think the body, while not being great, is still, like, a pretty fun watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, if you, have you seen the short film? No. It's based on a short film, and if you watch the short film, it completely ruins the first episode. Like, <laughs> it's the the movie version is so much worse than the short film. It's crazy. Oh. But well, um, I, I the second one was it, yeah. bad. <laughs> Honestly, if you're, like behind and you're like oh i have hulu i want to watch into the dark just start with this one and then go from there I think. yeah this is far and away the best one they've released so far yeah and just so everyone knows nacho vigilando he's the guy who directed a uh, colossal which i think is a really underrated movie yeah that is actually a great movie um so that's all i got on puka you have anything else you want to talk about with it no um i just um i guess you want to do a rating on it oh yeah um i'd give it like a four yeah, I, I agree with that. I'd also give it a four. I think that it's a very original idea, and it's told in an interesting way. It works and well with its budget, knows mm-hmm. what it is, knows what it wants to be, stays within the confines of its own script, acting is solid throughout, cool concept with a really original monster, quote-unquote. Yeah. And, and the story's uh, cool. And it proves the worth of the whole Into the Dark series on the back of this movie alone. Yeah, and Blumhouse knows it. If you follow them on Twitter, like they're pushing this thing hard. Yeah, because this is the first one I think that's received like very positive praise, pretty uh, universally. So it's cool that that's getting the buzz it deserves, and people are really liking it. Yeah. So um, that's all I got on it. Bye. <laughs>